Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the GovCon world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about a special advantage that service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses receive that, that's available, that, that's it's right in the FAR. I'll stop trying to explain it here in the introduction. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Check out skywaymember.com to learn more or hang out at the end of the episode and I'll explain a little more. All right, let's get this one started. We talk all the time on the podcast about the FAR and the number of clauses and how overwhelming it can be to keep track of them. Most of them are, are standard governmentese kind of language and kind of like the the terms and conditions of, of software downloads or, or, or your <laughs> iPhone or whatever. People don't, box. Yeah, people don't really read all those clauses a lot of times. Some, some of the clauses are so niche that they don't apply. A lot of the clauses don't apply to the situation they're in, but they're still in the contract because they have to be. That's the rule. But some of them are super important in certain situations, right? Some of them don't apply anywhere except to you today, and you should know which ones can help you out or which ones can cause you problems, which ones apply to you today. Each clause is important to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> to somebody that wrote it, right? This week's episode is an example of that. The service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses out there, you care about clause 52219 27 it's the notice of service disabled veteran owned small business set aside. There's a nuance in that one that's worth a whole episode. All right. Before we get into the whole episode, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Marquise Garrett. Uh, Marquise is the CEO of LNN Technologies. They're a professional services firm that provides low voltage and telecommunication services to both government and commercial industries. LNN Tech is also a service-disabled veteran-owned small business and a Skyway community member. They're based in uh, Hyattsville, Maryland. I want to thank Marquise for his feedback and input about the Contracting Officer podcast during his Skyway community welcome call. In addition, I really appreciate his active engagement with our podcast. You know, while we reach thousands of people every month, we have no idea who they are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I get a real charge out of talking to folks who are listening to the podcast and being able to serve them beyond the podcast. Because it's people like Marquise, when they join the Skyway community, that allows us to do this podcast for free week after week. Thanks, Marquise. Hey, Kevin, you said you get a charge out of talking to people that listen to the podcast. If someone wanted to talk to you and give you some feedback on the podcast, how would they do that? Go to askskyway.com and you can select the podcast feedback call and schedule it right on my calendar. And it sets up a Zoom call. All right, there you go. Let's get back to sm- what is it? Service Disabled Veteran-Owned Small Business Subcontracting Rules. We are going to start abbreviating that with the common acronym SDV. <laughs> it's not the prettiest o- acronym, by the yeah, way. SDVOSB. Still a mouthful, but I cannot say Service Disabled Veteran-Owned Small Business over and over and over again. <laughs> All right, we're going way down in the weeds here. This one takes a little bit of background, a little bit of that context before what we're really going to talk about makes sense. So context, Kevin. All right, bear with me while I walk us through the path to our topic, okay? In GovCon, small businesses have an advantage, right? Okay, one of the advantages is a small business set-aside. And we covered the small business set-asides in episode 194. 
when the government sets an acquisition aside for small businesses, for small businesses only, one of the nuances is that the small business who wins the work, the prime, is only allowed to subcontract out a certain portion of it. They, they can't just pass through all the work. The clause that covers that at the small business level in that situation is 52.219-14. It's a limitation on subcontracting. It limits the amount of work that a small business prime can subcontract out. The small business prime must do a certain percentage. It's 15%, 25%, or 50%, depending on the type of work, you know, services, construction, et cetera. And, and we cover that in detail in episode 210, which surprisingly is called limitation on subcontracting, only to have that clause updated a few weeks after we did it. So we got to do it again on episode 217 that was aptly named deviation, <laughs> the limitation of subcontracting. But the rules do change from time to time, just very close to the episodes coming out. Yeah, the, the basic point of our episodes is probably going to be sound, but there's nuances to it that may change. The thresholds certainly change. They're usually increased due to inflation. But but the point is usually pretty sound. Every once in a while, we have to go back and like completely delete an episode because it's not relevant at all anymore. It's completely <laughs> yeah. wrong, but that's rare. All right, go on. Well, bottom line, if a small business wins a small business set-aside contract, there's a limit on how much that small business can subcontract out the work, okay? Well, that leads us to this episode's topic, where this clause, the 52.219-27, the Notice of Small Service Disabled Veteran-Owned Small Business Set-Aside, I swear this is the last time I'll say the whole thing, okay, this applies to contracts that are set aside or even awarded sole source to an SDVOSB, and there's a key difference between that clause and the one that covers all small businesses. In fact, big enough deal to make a whole episode about it. Let's talk about when this clause applies and when it doesn't. 52.219-27 applies whenever a solicitation or contract is, is set aside or awarded on a sole source basis to an SDVOSB. So whether it's a contract that's been set aside, whether it's part or of a multiple award contract that's set aside, whether it's a single order that's set aside for SDV OSBs under a multiple award contract, or a sole source award to an SDV OSB. That's, that's when we're talking about. The change, the trick here, is that unlike other small business set-asides or the other subcategory of small business set-asides, like women-owned small businesses, the prime contractor, the small business that's the prime, doesn't have to meet the threshold all by themselves. So in the case of services, ordinarily, a small business would have to complete at least 50% of the work. If it's an SDV OSB set aside, any combination of SDV OSBs together count towards that threshold. So the way the clause reads... It says, a service-disabled veteran-owned small business concern agrees that in performance of the contract for services, at least 50% of the cost of personnel for contract performance will be spent for employees of that concern or employees of other service-disabled veteran-owned small business concerns. It says that for supplies, which is also 50%, construction, which is 15%, or the last one's construction by special trade contractors, which is 25%. That's not the point. The point, through, through my caffeinated haze here, the, <laughs> the point is, unlike other set-asides, the prime contractor, small business, 
does not have to do half the work. A combination of SDV OSBs all together count towards that 50%. That's really powerful. Yeah, that, that changes the calculus because instead of one company having to find the resources, they basically can build a coalition of yeah. companies like them. Coalition and of willing, a team even. Hmm. Yeah, so it's not just Easier a team. Work. It's not just a team that's going after the contract. It's a team that's going after this type of contract with this specific socioeconomic status. Yeah. And that's unique to this clause. There's a checkbox in the clause that you have to pay attention to because it impacts, it could impact your ability to meet that threshold. The contracting officer has to decide at the beginning whether the math for whether or not you meet the threshold is by the end of the base term of the contract and then by the end of each option or by the end of the performance period for each order issued under the contract. So really what that's saying is, are we going to calculate it on the contract as a whole or are we going to hold each performance period, each option as its own math? Do you have to meet 50% by the end of a five-year contract with with a base and four options, or do you have to meet 50% for each year, for each option or each performance period of the contract? And for clarity, this is paragraph E, if you want to go read it. It's paragraph E of the clause. Let's place this in the acquisition and execution time zones. If there's a checkbox that has to be decided at solicitation time how this is going to be handled, then the contracting officer has to be thinking about it during the market research zone, right? If you're going to set it aside for SDV OSBs, you got to check that box up front. So you're thinking about once you make the decision to set it aside, can a combination of SDV OSBs do more than half the work or, or meet the threshold if it's not supplies or services? You're making that decision in the market research zone. Your RFP has to be consistent with that, including having a box checked. And your source selection, or if you're awarding sole source, there's not really a source selection, but it applies there too, because this is where you're locking in your decision that there is a responsible prime contractor with its teammates that are also SDV OSBs that can meet the threshold. During the source selection zone is where you're looking at those percentages. You may see this prime is only doing 40% of the work. Under the standard small business clause, they'd be non-compliant. Right. But under this scenario, as long as they got some other SDV USBs that get them to 50%. They're good. They're good. Yeah. On the execution side, during the execution time zones, the performance zone is when you have to do the work to, to meet the threshold. And it, this is where it's tracked. And if you think about the recompete zone, this is where the contracting officer is looking at how did this contract go? Were a combination of SDV OSBs able to successfully accomplish the work and support the mission? If it didn't work out like you expected, if they didn't meet the threshold, if there are other issues, maybe when it comes time to recompete this work, you choose a different acquisition strategy. If you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three. And the execution time zones, we cover those in episode 84. This clause is pretty important to understand if you are an SDV OSB. And it's a little important to understand if you're not, because this is how you could lose to a team of SDV OSBs exactly. if you're not paying attention to it. The overall point of the, the having a threshold for performance for small businesses is to keep small businesses from being a shell 
for a large business where the large business puts a small business in front so that they qualify as a small business award, but then the large business does all the work, right? At some point that happened, probably at some points that happened. So the government said, no, that's not the point of small business set-asides. The point is to have the small business be the prime so that they can learn and grow. And a new clause was born. In this case, it allows the SDVOSBs to team up to meet that 50%, like we mentioned a few minutes ago. That's a critical difference that opens up a, a new opportunity for, for how this acquisition can be managed. Yeah, no other type of small business has this advantage. That the team together as SDVOSBs to meet the threshold doesn't count for women-owned small businesses. It doesn't count for hub zone set-asides. This is SDVOSB specific. Let me caveat that with, as of this recording. Yeah, that's good. they may change it tomorrow. And maybe they'll change that. it. Let's focus for a minute on the government side. Why, why is the government thinking about this? Why does the government care? Why do government folks care? It's a very effective tool to be able to set aside contracts for SDVOSBs because that combination of 50%, again, I'm picking on professional services, but a combination of 15%, right, for construction, it's different from the other clauses. It opens up the aperture to how many businesses can compete for these contracts. Yeah. When evaluating offers under this clause, you got to remember that the prime does not have to meet the threshold alone. Like that 40% I was referencing before. I, I've kicked people out of a competition because they didn't meet the 50%. Right. Well, it's because they weren't service disabled that's known small business set-asides. They were just regular small business set-asides. Remember, this is a critical compliance issue that's buried in a litany of clauses. Right. <laughs> and it, it used to be incorporated by reference. Now it's no longer. I believe it's actually in full text because of those checkboxes. But it's still buried in, the, in all the text. Once the contracting officer awards the contract, this becomes a compliance factor that's got to be monitored. So it's it's not as easy as as you might hope to monitor this. Right. But be sure to check the clause fill-in box so you tell them how you're going to track it. You're going to track it at the contract level or at the order level. Anytime there's a clause like this, you're creating work for someone on the government side because exactly. now there's something you have to track. A lot of the proposals I got as a contracting officer, as well as the ones that I now see as a consultant helping companies win contracts, are veteran businesses teaming together. Like this happens already, right? They aren't doing it to meet this clause per se. They're doing it because it's good business practice. So they may be inadvertently in compliance with this clause because they realize well, we have to team up anyway to do this work. Well, now you can team up and do less than 50% or less than 15% or less than 25%. But on the government side, don't be surprised if they're teaming. They, they should be, right? But use this less than 50% or less than percentage to your advantage to be able to open that aperture to more small businesses to be able to compete for your agency. Yeah, that's a great segue to the industry side. Use this to your advantage. If you're teaming with other SDV OSBs, make sure the government understands that they could set this aside and still meet the thresholds. This clause compounds the advantages you get by being a SDV OSB. In addition to just having the ability to have contracts set aside only for SDV OSBs if there are more than one that can do the work that the contracting officer knows can do the work or thinks can do the work, I guess. In addition to just being able to say, hey, we're going to set, set it aside for SDV OSBs, a single company doesn't have to be able to do whatever the threshold amount of work is. That's A lot of times that's a barrier for small businesses. I'd love to do this, but I don't have enough people. I can't do 50% of the work. Well, 
for SDV OSBs, you don't have to. Like you said, you could do 40, and if you have another SDV OSB on the team that can do 15% of the work, you're in. The danger is this allows small businesses potentially to bid and win a program that's out of their weight class. You could win a contract that's bigger and more complex than you're able to do, than you're able to manage. Part of the reason I think that that threshold is set at 50% is it makes sure that a small business doesn't take on a program that's too complicated, right? They bid something, they're only going to do 20% of the work, but they can't actually manage that big of a program. Well, in this case, you could have five SDV OSBs that are each going to do 10% of the work, but none of them are mature enough to manage a program that's 10 times bigger than their percentage of the work, right? So there, there is a danger there. Be careful not to step over the line industry and be careful government when you're evaluating to make sure that that kind of subcontract management, that kind of maturity somehow weighs into your evaluation factors or your responsibility determination. And speaking of being responsible, let's responsibly end this one before we ramble on for an hour. On the government side, mention the nuances of this clause, the fact that we can have more than one SDVOSB. In the pre-award communications, tell them this clause is going to be in there. Tell them this is the overall strategy. They probably don't know, or they might not know, right? And, and remember, you got to fill in. you got to decide, is this going to be a contract level or order level uh, uh, tracking? Cal- calculation, yeah. Calculation. This is going to make the SDVOSB set aside even more palatable. There's going to be even more opportunity for SDV USBs to have access to opportunities for to be, compete for contracts. However, ensure to, to your point, Paul, about making sure they don't bite off more than they can chew and get out of their weight class. I love that example of five companies doing 10% of the work, but none of them is really in charge. <laughs> so the way to manage that on the government side is ensure that something like a subcontract management process is an evaluation factor. They got to prove that they're mature enough to manage the team and to manage the work. That way you've got this, you don't have a coalition of people saying, hey, we're all going this way, but we don't really know who's in charge. Again, that's it's hyperbole to prove the point, but I could see that playing out. That probably wasn't envisioned by this clause, right. but it's happened right. a few times. Right. Industry folks, teaming is likely to happen anyway, right? If you're a small business going after a bigger program, it's likely that you're going to have teammates. If you are an SDV OSB, you should really consider embracing other SDV OSBs and take advantage of the flexibility that this clause gives you and the the government. When you're doing your shaping and your business development, when you're talking to government officials, make sure they understand that, hey, this is a kind of big program, but with these two other SDV OSBs, we can do it, we can meet the threshold, and meet your mission requirements. You do that, maybe the government decides to set it aside just for SDV OSBs and limits the pool of companies that you have to compete against. And with that, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. I'll see you, Paul. If you enjoyed the podcast today, we invite you to check out the Skyway community at skywaymember.com. The Skyway community is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, or running a business in the GovCon world. We speak GovCon, and our team of former contracting officers is there, is here to help. 
You can join the Skyway community to get access through the Ask a Contracting Officer forum, and you'll also have access to custom consulting, or Skyway's team of contracting officers provides consulting to non-community members as well. Community members just get a discount on the rates. To learn more, check it out at skywaymember.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. The SDVs the SDV OSBs, it's hard to say that, especially when you're going fast. The SDV OSBs.